You're listening to the Truth About Bible Study taught by Pastor Dan Christians at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Welcome to the Truth About series that we've been doing for the last 10 or so weeks now that we'll be doing for a while, I think. And we've been talking for the last few weeks about the Truth About Uh, The Sanctity of Human Life, specifically the truth about abortion. This week we'll wrap up that topic and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about eugenics and just how those two things fit together, what eugenics is and how it has worked in the past and how it continues to work today. And so last week we spoke about uh, the Sanctity of Human Life. The, The week prior to that we gave a very biblical basis for why Christians should be pro life. Um, and we talked about the fact that regardless of how you feel about the subject, believers have to be willing to set our feelings aside and say, what does the Bible say? What does God say about this issue? Because I think it is very easy to be passionate on one hand or the other in this issue. And it's important for us to be able to, to set that aside as best as we can and say, what does God say about the issue? We saw the Bible's position is simple. Human life is sacred as it bears the imagio Dei. God has put his image on human souls, and so it is sacred. The unborn child is not a part of the mother, but rather an independent and marvelous creation of God. Therefore, it, the, the unborn child bears the image of God. This is not a matter of personal opinion, but of objective moral truth, because God said it. Last week, we looked at some of the rational and scientific reasons to oppose abortion. We saw the unique DNA that each human baby has at the point of conception. We saw that a life given time and nourishment will be like any other before it. That we have a unique human being that is now present. All the information required to make this, the fingerprints, the hair color, the eye color, everything about that person is already there at the moment of conception. And so it's a a unique human life. We saw the development of the child in the womb, how quickly it develops. Here's just a a, kind of a picture you can look at. This is what a baby at the age of approximately 10 weeks would look like in the womb. And so if you want to look at this later, if you want to pass around or whatever, you can see that the baby is sucking its thumb in here. I mean, it's been known to do that at 10 weeks that all of the major parts of the baby are formed. You can very clearly tell what this is. So my goal here in all of this, we, we looked at the size, the level of development, the environment, the degree of dependency, that all of those things, the acronym SLED, if you remember that, that none of those things determine personhood in any other realm. And so why do we say that somehow one of those things changes this human baby from being a person to not a person? Um, we saw the medical and psychological complications that are associated with abortion, that a lot of times women... Um, go through problems as a result of their abortion, that there's a great deal of guilt and regret that goes along with it. And we, look, we tackled some of the common arguments made by pro-choice advocates. So that was last week. But my goal simply is not to educate you. It, now, I think, I believe education is a very important part of this. I think it helps us to avoid saying foolish and untrue things. I I think it helps us to ground what we're saying, first of all, in God's Word, and second of all, in in facts, in what we know from science. It's really helpful if we can speak confidently from both of those places about this issue so that we don't have to become this crazy, passionate person in an argument because we know we're right, but have no way of defending it. 
I think Christians should be able to handle themselves. If we have this discussion, we should be able to speak rationally and truthfully about why we believe what we believe. But my goal is also, not just to educate, but also to motivate you into action. I, I would be thrilled to find out that at the end of this, some people in this room decided that they were going to be more uh, um, active in fighting for the sanctity of life in our community, in our, in our world. And so I want you to take this to heart and say, what does God want me to do because of what I've heard, what I've learned? This week, we'll look at a few more statements that I think are worth discussing on the subject of abortion, some questions that you might have that might be asked. We'll discuss how we can be involved, how we can have a positive impact on our community, and how we can help literally to save a person's life. All right? And so let's pray, and then we'll get into our lesson. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for every believer that's here today. I thank you that um, that we've come to learn and we've come to grow and we've come to hopefully allow the Spirit of God to prompt us to live more like Christ and more like you'd want us to in this world. Uh, Lord, you know this is an incredibly difficult topic in our culture. It's a battle that Christians for the last 50 years or so have been losing. And God, I pray that you just um, inspire us to action. Um, and Lord, help us to fight for what you deem worth, worthy and valuable to be fought for. And we love you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Begin this week by answering some common questions. And so these are the questions that, that have come up in the past, and I, I think they're worth mentioning. The first one is, are birth control meth- methods all abortifacient? In other words, do, does every birth control method involve some kind of abortifacient where it, it kills the baby? It's designed to kill the baby somehow. And the answer is no, not all birth control methods. Methods, and this is not like a, a high school science class or anything, so we're not going to get into any detail, but um, methods that do not cause abortion include abstinence, fertility awareness methods, and... Methods that provide physical barriers and nothing more. So those would be the non-abortifacient methods. The methods that do cause abortion are the morning-after pill, which, is, which can be taken one to three days after uh, a conception has potentially occurred. That is designed to kill the baby, nothing else. And the RU486, which is a drug that was legalized in Canada fairly recently. It's been in the States for quite a while. Um, but it's supposed to be able to, to, it's two different drugs combined, it's pills you take, and it causes an abortion within the first 50, 50 days of uh, pregnancy. And so those are the two uh, birth control methods that obviously are very abort-efficient. This is where it gets um, confusing, I think, for a lot of people. The methods that may cause abortion, and these are, are methods that a lot of Christians have used. And so this is where it's, it's sometimes hard to hear, but here are methods that may cause abortion. Methods that use chemicals to alter hormone levels in women. So any method that is used to alter a hormone level in a woman can cause abortion. I'll explain why that happens. So birth control pills um, IUD, the patch, etc. Th- these are all the common ones that are used. So the question is, how does that happen? Because it seems like my understanding and most people's understanding of, of something like um, the pill is that it's designed to prevent pregnancy from occurring. And that is true. 
It is designed to prevent pregnancy from occurring. And it is about 95% efficient at doing that. But when it fails, one of the side effects of the drug of the hormones that are being placed in is that uh, the uterine wall is thinned and it's made, it, it's made such that it's difficult or impossible for a fertilized egg to implant. Which means the, the woman's body has been changed by the pill in a way that if it doesn't, if it fails to prevent conception, so if conception occurs, then it's changed the female body so that it doesn't allow the fertilized egg, which is we believe at the moment of conception is a child, is a human being, it doesn't allow that to implant itself in the uterine wall and thereby causing an abortion. So just, just so you're aware of that, um, I think that's, that's worthwhile thinking about and looking at as you're planning your family. Second question, when do most abortions take place? Most abortions take place, or the, the ideal age is 8 to 13 weeks. And so that's about 50 to 75% abortions. And so like I said, this is 10 weeks right here. This is the ideal age to have an abortion on a baby. 50 to 75% of the babies that are aborted are aborted during that time. Question number three, is it worth discussing the methods of abortion with people? Okay, if you've noticed that in this class, we have not really gotten into detail about the methods of abortion, save for the last five minutes we've been talking about whether certain pills cause abortion or not. Okay, we haven't gone into different types of abortions and how they look. And so, is it worth discussing these methods with people? I would imagine that most people in this room have seen a YouTube video or some type of video of, of what an abortion looks like, that you have an idea of some of the methods that are involved. It is shocking, it is tragic, it is disgusting. And when you see that, it is really hard to look at it and say, that's not killing, that's not murder. I mean, yes, it, it happens so that you can't physically see it here, but when you actually are able to go through the wall of the skin and see a baby being killed and ripped apart, that, that is shocking. And I think that some people have seen that and changed their view on abortion. All right? So I'm not, I think some people have watched videos like that and said, yeah, I see it now. And so I, I'm thankful that some people have done that. I have purposely stayed away from describing them for a number of reasons. And I want to give them to you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever do this, but um, I think killing an innocent life is murder no matter how it's done. So it really doesn't matter how tragic it looks. It's accomplishing the same thing. It's doing the same thing. Whether, whether you kill somebody by lethal injection or you kill somebody by the electric chair or you kill somebody by quartering them, the end result is the same. And so when we're killing someone, we're killing a human being. And I think that's where the, the, the focus should lie. I don't want to be accused of using manipulative tactics. I think in, in everything we've looked at so far, I've tried to say this is what the Bible says. Here's what science, here's, here's the information that you need. I don't want to be manipulating people by saying, oh, look at how, you know, I mean, some, that would work on some people. But... I don't think you can have listened to this course and say, yeah, he absolutely manipulated us all. And I, I am honestly not sure if I could hold myself together if I had to describe all that happens.
there's been times I've been sharing statistics and it's par been hard to hold myself together. And so I'm not sure I could go through through that. And so um, I'm grateful that if you want to know this information, it's ready, readily available on the internet. And so if you want to know the different procedures, then you can you can look that up. Personally, it's not the first thing I would discuss if I was speaking with about this issue with somebody who was on the pro-choice side. Question number four, where can I find good material on this subject? Um, there's three websites locally that can help you. Uh, www.righttolife.com, www.lifeinmotionchatham.ca. The Life in Motion website focuses more on education. And then www.refugechatham.ca, and that site's more designed for women who are in a crisis pregnancy situation that they can go there and, and receive the help they need. And so those are good places to go here in Chatham. If you want uh, places that have just a great deal of information, like endless, highly educated doctors writing articles to explain all of what we've been talking about, www.abort73.com has an incredible, uh, uh, just a surplus of articles on the subject. Uh, www.lifenews.com is also a great site. www.180movie.com. If you haven't seen that yet, it's about a 30-minute, 33-minute movie that's done by Ray Comfort, and it's a, it's a really good watch. I, I'd encourage you, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's good. What he's doing is he's talking to people um, just off of a college campus and asking them questions and ultimately helping them to realize that what they're doing is is it's genocide. It's killing a whole group of people. And so it's good. If you want some preaching that I found very helpful, um, one man who preaches at least once a year, probably multiple times a year, but his church for the last 20 something years has set one Sunday aside to talk specifically about the sanctity of life is John Piper. Um, if you go there, you can read any of his sermons or you can listen to them. And his sermons on the sanctity of life, are, they're moving, they're, they're compelling, um, and they're very biblical. So that's a great one. John MacArthur has a sermon that's really good on this, as well as Matt Chandler has a, a couple sermons that are helpful. So if you'd like to listen to more, then those are good places to go. Okay, what's a Christian response? Does anybody have any, before we continue to move on, are there any, these are some questions that we've brought up that I think are relevant. Is there any other questions that you might have that you're, you think that's worth discussing? Yes, Amy. Where do I get the statistics from? So Stats Canada would be my, my primary source for abortion. The biggest problem with statistics in Canada is that they're not closely regulated anymore. So, um, like, when, when we're going to be talking about eugenics in a moment, the statistics for who is getting abortions or how many are actually being done in different provinces, they're not reliable anymore. Uh, I think it was just a couple years ago they came out with some statistics that were like, there was 65,000 abortions this year. And somebody said, this doesn't make any sense. There was 100,000 like a couple years ago. There's no way the number's dropping that quickly. And so then they went back in and they, they found out, they, they discovered like 30,000 abortions that just weren't being recorded in this official statistics document. So that's, yes. Does that include the morning after pill? That wouldn't include the morning after pill. No, and that's a great point. Are they going to include the RU486 with the abortion statistics? I don't know. I don't know, but that's a great question. But they're very good questions because, um, I mean, even when I was teaching, um, 
the greatest amount of abortions were actually done by teenagers mm -hmm. and teenagers who got pregnant, about 80% of them. Yeah. It was up to about 80%, especially in the bigger centers mm -hmm. in Ontario, were aborting their, their babies. I yeah. mean, that was before. Yeah. They had the uh, morning after call, but they, you know, I mean, that's a huge percentage. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That now, because of the morning after pill, and because of just recently introducing the RU486, um, that people don't need to go through a whole process at a pregnancy center, uh, center like Planned Parenthood in the states. They're here in Canada too. Um, or the after pill is also available over the counter now, so anyone yeah. can get it. You can go, a young girl can go and get it, and no yes. one even knows. So yep. no way to yes, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those are those are great points. It's really impossible to know why the abortion rate has dropped so much. I mean, they're still having abortions, but no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Someone told me that they're not even doing abortions. <coughs> That's true. Not allowed to do it, and I said, Yep. How come? But then I, I asked the referee, and I said, Well, they do them, but it's not classified as an abortion. Okay. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't know that. Um, but I know that from speaking to uh, Refuge in Chatham, that um, just actually, it was only a few years ago that they changed where if you want an abortion in Chatham, you have to go to Windsor or London to officially, or Sarnia, to get it done officially. In the school system, I know we're not in the school system, but mm -hmm. instead of them teaching abortion, why don't they teach the kids not to have sex and have Yeah, abstinence. Yeah, I mean, it's effective, but... They don't tell yeah. about that. Yeah. I think it's a sign of our times, you know, like that's, that's the, that's the cultural situation we live in. People do not believe that sex before marriage is sinful. They're not, they're not taking the morality from God's word, so they're not going to teach that. But yes. I can tell you exactly what the school did teach you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my whole career was as a health teacher. Most yeah. of my career was as a health teacher. Mm -hmm. And when I was teaching, they did teach abstinence, and we would have the nurse come in from the health unit, and she would, one of her biggest, um, besides me, one of her biggest pushes was abstinence, right? But now she can't do that. The, the public health system can't do that. And so it's just choices. These are your choices, right, that you have. So. It really, that whole slant has gone recently, but I mean, when I was teaching, I taught abortion and I taught those different methods, which were really basically saline solution mm -hmm. and, and DNC, mm -hmm. and I described them and written, yep. written descriptions, and, and the kids actually had to take notes. We mm -hmm. actually took notes at that time mm -hmm. and had to write down what they were like. and. Um, what I found was that, that many of the girls recoiled from that. Yeah. And it also was a way where they could ask me, well, what's your opinion? I could never give my opinion. I couldn't say it was right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a way of, of um, you know, telling them, look, this is, this is heavy stuff yeah. dealing with life and death. Right? Yeah. And I also showed a, um, a video from Right to Life once in parenting, and I got reprimanded by the head of the department. But this film was very good in showing both sides. Yeah. Both sides. And I wrote a long letter said that our duty in education is to educate and to say both sides. Yeah. Um, and I didn't hear back 
but I didn't teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's very telling. I think that the fact that um, just people are trying to silence, yes, and, and it's not like it, I, I think that most Christians say, okay, if you're going to teach about abortion and, and where to get an abortion and and all of those things, you should at least be willing to teach both sides of it. So, but yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think that we're going to get a lot of help from our culture in this. And so I think we got to realize that it is time for the church to step up and start doing our part. That's a good question. Um, the reason that somebody would say it's not ethical is because if you believe that whether or not you and your wife have a child should be completely left up to God and, and nobody else, then you'd say that what you're doing, you're stepping in. Um, I think that if that's the case, then even uh, abstinence, is that ethical? Or is uh, fertility awareness, is that ethical? Because you're, you're trying to determine something. And I think we make plans for ourselves all the time in our lives. So I'm, personally, I don't, find, I don't have a problem with it. It's, not, it's certainly not abort-efficient. It's not killing anything. Um, it's just stopping process from beginning. Yes, Dan. In vitro. Not the time. Not the time. No. I, you know, I haven't looked at it close enough. And I haven't thought about it enough. So I, I can't actually answer the question well. But thanks, Dan. I'll look into it. All right. From what I've heard about it, basically they fertilize a bunch of eggs. Yep. And it basically freeze whatever they don't need. Yep. And it'll sit basically a freezer or uh, destroy. Yeah. Yeah. So I could say then based on that, it's not ethical. I find it often awesome left out of the It does. Yeah, it has, obviously. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> All right. Next week, Dan is teaching on the uh, locality. <laughs> All right, good. Any other questions? <laughs> so far, so not. No? All right. Yes? Fran. One thing on what you just brought up, I'm going to say. Years ago, my brother got married to a woman who had her two time, okay? Yep. She couldn't have no more children, and they decided they wanted one because he doesn't have any and she had two. Yep. The government would not fork out one cent for for them to do what you just said. But it wouldn't have been what Dan said. It would just been taking them to the other and betting, okay? Yep. They wouldn't give them no money. It was three grand yep. and no guarantee, but they will pay for abortion. Mm-hmm. They now pay for They do. They pay for um, the, the treatments, but not the drugs associated with it. Well, they, they pay for quite a bit. Yeah. So it's, it, it was zero yeah. at that time, but yeah, they, they, do pay yeah. For, they do pay for some of it. Any other questions, thoughts, comments? All right, we'll move on. Christian response. Um, how should we respond as believers to this issue? Uh, first of all, I think we should be pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Pro-life. What do I mean by that? Well, there was a comic that was circulating Facebook a while back, and it was two different pictures, comic pictures side by side. The first one was a group of men in suits that were speaking to a mother who was pregnant. 
and speaking kind of directly to her belly and saying, we will protect you, we will support you, we will help you, we're, we're here for you, we want you to live. And then the second comic, so that was obviously in support of life, the second comic, comic was the same group of men who were um, harassing and making fun of this child and his mother because he was receiving government help. Okay, so that they were like, you're a beggar, you're a... Yeah, mooch, you're a whatever. So, so the point that was being made is that Christians sometimes, or at least pro-life people at times, can be all in support of saving the life of the child, but then lack helping the child after that child is born to actually be able to, to live and to flourish. And the, the I, I mean, certainly, I don't think that's the case. I think that the comic was overstepping. I think that the fact that now um, crisis pregnancy centers outweigh abortion places two to one is pretty good. Is pretty telling that um, there are Christians trying to step up, and that these crisis pregnancy centers, yes, they're there when you're pregnant, but they're also there for you. And probably a, a lot of the work that they do actually happens after the baby is born with training and diapers and clothing and just meeting together as a, with a group of girls to try and encourage one another and give counseling where it's necessary. I mean, they try and um, say, okay, here's, here's your situation. What is available for you in Chatham that can help you to get through this situation? So there is a, a, a Christian stepping up. But what I want to remind us today is that part of our duty in all of this is to support women who are pregnant and young mothers. And whenever we see somebody in a situation that's difficult, that can be a place for a Christian to step up and say, what can I do to help? Leon's Crump said, I think there's a big difference between being called anti-abortion and being pro-life. Anti-abortion means you have a conviction that it is murder to kill a child in the womb. It's a good position. But to be pro-life means that you not only want that child to enter the world, but that you want that child to thrive when they enter the world. It's not just about getting children into the world, but making sure they flourish as human beings once they're here. So that's a good reminder for us. And so the first question response, just be pro-life. Uh, the second one is be careful to be both truthful and loving. We have Christ as our supreme example of this, that he was willing to say, um, I love you, that I forgive you, but he also said, go and sin no more. That he was always truthful and loving. He didn't, he didn't mince words. He told people exactly what they needed to hear, that he, he called sin, sin, but then he was also willing to, to go and love these people and eat with them and spend time with them and heal them and, and teach them and feed them and whatever that, that, that were, was needed by these people. He was there for them for that as well. And so he loved them, but he never stopped speaking truth to them. Here's a reminder that we are as sinful and as in desperate need of grace as any woman that has ever had an abortion, as any doctor that's ever performed an abortion, as any politician that has lobbied to pass to making abortion legal, as any person who has fought to make abortion legal, as those men who have encouraged their daughters or their girlfriends or whoever else, that abortion was the best option. Now, those things are awful. But we're as sinful as any of those people are. And so let's keep that in mind as we talk to people. 
that we're in as much need of, of grace and of the gospel as they are. Number three, we should approach people with compassion and grace. Um, after the first class that we were teaching here, uh, a lady came to me and said, you know it's not always the woman's fault. And that's absolutely true. And I hope I didn't ever convey that at this point. That it's not just women that are guilty of this. That this is a societal issue. This is an issue that oftentimes women are pressured into it because of society, because of men in their life. And so um, when, we, when we approach this topic and with people, especially people that may have had an abortion, let's do it with compassion and grace. Um, John Frame is a theologian, and he said, In counseling with those facing difficult decisions in these matters, the Christian must not use his general principles as a way to avoid wrestling with a particular case. The agonies of those contemplating abortion must be shared, entered into, and understood if truly loving counsel from the Word of God is to be given. And just so you know, that the, the whole article was saying abortion is murder. So his position is abortion is murder. But then at the end of this, he tells us, but we can't just say, because of this general principle, we don't, we don't actually deal with people and know their situation and try and enter into, um, be empathetic with them a little bit. Okay? That doesn't mean we change our stance. It doesn't mean we, we say that something's true that's not true. We just try and understand what they're going through. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said something similar. He said, destruction of the embryo in the mother's womb is a violation of the right to live which God has bestowed upon nascent life. Nascent life is new life. To raise the question whether we are here concerned already with a human being or not is merely to confuse the issue. He's saying clearly it is a human being. The simple fact is that God certainly intended to create a human being and that this nation human being has been deliberately deprived of his life. And it is nothing but murder. A great many different motives may lead to an action of this kind. Indeed, cases where it is an act of despair, performed in circumstances of extreme human or economic destitution and misery. The guilt often may lie partially with the community rather than just with the individual. Precisely in this connection, money may conceal Many a want indeed, while the poor man's more reluctant lapse may far more easily be disclosed. All these considerations must no doubt have quite a decisive influence on our personal and pastoral attitude towards the person concerned, but they cannot in any way alter the fact of murder. So you get what he's saying? You, you, under, you try and understand their circumstance and why they feel like this is their only choice. And you, you enter into that suffering as much as you can with them. And then you try and counsel and pastorally guide them in the word of God toward what is true. Okay, But there's got to be a lot of love shown in all of that. Um, I heard a story about another woman just recently who, when she found out she was pregnant, she was counseled by her, her boyfriend, her father, the doctor, and just, just about everybody around her that she ought to have an abortion. And I can't imagine the difficulty of a situation like that when everybody around you is, is pushing you toward this decision. And thankfully, she chose to keep the child. And now the child is a grown adult and knows the Lord and, and um, just so thankful that, that she made the right decision there. But can I tell you something? That, that's, that case 
happens again and again. And so we should show compassion and grace to those women when we get the opportunity. So approach people with compassion and grace. Number four, get involved locally. What do Christians do? Hey, let's, let's get involved in this thing a little bit. Um, crisis pregnancy centers are everywhere. They provide counseling, clothing, training, mentoring, necessities, referrals, etc. Here in Chatham, we have the right to life, which is kind of broken into two different subcategories, refuge and life in motion. Refuge is all about crisis pregnancy counseling and, and helping the women who are pregnant. Um, life in motion is a lot more about education and training and, and helping after that point and helping people know how to get involved in, in this issue. A couple weeks ago, I spoke, I sat down with a meeting with Nina Cleffy. She's the current director of Refuge. And I was just asking the question, I'm teaching a class on abortion. What should, uh, what should our church be doing? I mean, what can people in our church do if they wanted to be involved? And she had a lot of good ideas. Um, she said, volunteering is always very helpful. She said, at Refuge, there are phones that need to be answered. And so you'd get some training on how to deal with those situations. And a lot of times you might be just taking messages, but sometimes you'd be talking to these women in crisis pregnancy situations that oftentimes they have big days um, where they need help. They need help organizing the food that comes in or the clothes that comes in or to clean the office or, or whatever else is needed there. Um, she said that there's a mentorship program that's set up. And so if you got to the point where you wanted to be really involved, then you could go through, you could volunteer, you could become a mentor for these ladies and so you'd meet with them directly one-on-one and try and help them in their, through their pregnancy and through their the birth and through the early days of the child's life. I think it's a great way to get involved. Um, things like even cleaning up the property and keeping that nice. All of those things can be done. Secondly, she said, is to give. We have the baby bottle boomerang that we do here at our church. And uh, certainly you can do it that way. Another way you can do it is to become a member which would involve a one-time donation or a, a regular donation to help support them there. Um, the refuge, the right to life, that's it's completely um, church-funded. There's no government funding. So it's a, a charity here in Canada that doesn't receive any government funding. And so they rely on members' donations. Uh, the third thing is they have the Hike for Life taking place on September 24th, which is coming very soon. And that's where you can get people to donate toward you and then you... Um, hike, which is you, you walk around like Grand Ave to LaCroix to McNaughton to St. Clair and you do kind of that circle as many times as, as you feel like you can in, on one afternoon. And so that's coming up. Um, there's a life chain October 2nd from 2 to 3 p.m. at Refuge. And so that's another thing to be aware of. Um, if you can go out there, they just, it's a silent prayer vigil. All of the information for these things are here. So there's a application form for volunteering. There's um, sheets for Hike for Life. There are the newsletters for Right to Life. There's membership application forms. There are magnets and cards. And then here is just a booklet that, that kind of talks about the development of the child in the womb through different stages. So I got information here. If you would stop by and look at it um, before, well, today. All right. Okay. So Get involved. There are lots of ways to get involved here in Chatham, and so I encourage you to do that. Number five, speak up for those who cannot speak. We've read this book verse already. I'll read it again. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. The dumb is those who can't speak. 
open thy mouth, judge righteously, and please the cod, plead the cause of the poor and needy. And what I'm saying here is don't shy away from opportunities to speak about this. You don't have to be the person who makes every single issue about abortion. Like, what's wrong with the environment today? Oh, the problem with the environment is just abortion. You know, some people are like that. They, they, they find a way to just twist everything back to this issue. And I'm not saying you have to do that. Okay, don't do that. But don't avoid it. Don't be the person who just like is tiptoeing all the time because you never want to speak about it. It's an important issue. Do you want to be like the people that were tiptoeing around the issue of the genocide happening to the Jews during the reign of Nazi Germany? No, people, people saw what was happening. They knew what was going on, but they just they stayed out of it. Hey, they were silent. You don't want to be those people. And so don't avoid it. Make this issue a regular part of your prayer life and your thought process. Hey, commit to praying about this, this issue and what you can do. Look for opportunities to put feet to your beliefs. Show love for a struggling new mom or encourage a young lady that's pregnant. In our culture, one of the things we do is we tend to make negative jokes about parenthood. You know, how terrible kids are and how crazy. And, and granted, parenting is very hard work, but children are a blessing from the Lord. So maybe just thinking differently about how we talk about our kids and about parenting and what a blessing it is that God has given us this privilege. Even those types of conversations can change how people view the subject. Okay? Imagine one day you're talking to a mom and you're sharing with her the blessings of having your children, not knowing that, that woman has thought about or will in the future be thinking about having an abortion. You know, and now she's heard from you what, a, what an incredible thing it is to have kids. What a, what a blessing. So speak up for those who cannot. And finally, I encourage you to read, to study, to educate yourself. Is, if there's a subject that's worth being passionate about, here's one of them. All right? And so study it. Know, know this stuff. Okay? Don't just let your thinking about abortion and sanctity of life end with this class. I'll close with another quote from Leon's Crump. He said, when you consider the sun, the moon, the stars of the universe, and all the galaxies, and all of the mind-blowing aspects of creation, and then hear God say that human life is the pinnacle of all of that, that should be enough for any believer to want to see human life treated with the value and the dignity that it should be. All right? Thank you all for coming.